is a podcast about two sisters raised in an effed up family. My name is Christine. I am Jesse's older sister. I was raised by a gaslighting, manipulative mother who raised me to believe people either rejected you or weren't rejecting you. My father was a crazy, racist, vulgar alcoholic who was in and out of my life. And my name is Jesse. I'm Christine's little sister. I was raised solely by the crazy, racist father who raised me to believe I had to either earn or buy someone's love. Hello, everyone who's had a father file for bankruptcy because they took too many short-term loans with high interest rates. Welcome back to The Family Burrito. This is episode three, where my sister and I discuss the trials and tribulations of our effed-up childhood, Jesse. How are you doing? I am doing really well. I've had a really good week. Um, just, you know, being real busy completing tasks, which by the way, when you complete a task, it makes your dopamine level go up. So Heck yeah. Ex- you always want that more, more of that dope level. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Give me the dope. Give me the <laughs> Love the dopamine, like increases in different ways. I like, mean. <laughs> yeah, it could be through shopping or you know, completing a task. Um, you know, sex, drugs, and rock and roll. You know, so yeah. For anyway, sure. I, I like the sex part. Yeah, um, that's that's probably nice. Um, <laughs> if you're getting it, good. Um, <laughs> get that dopamine, uh, girl. Girl, get that. Give me that dope. Um, but. I will say that um, I've had a couple of profound epiphanies this week, and one of them came through you where you were, when you texted me um, about that guy at your gym. Um, I, I will say that I have never really given any thought or even said the words, I'm a child of an alcoholic. I, I just, I will say my dad's a drunk or he drinks a lot or he's an alcoholic, but I've never said those words. I'm a child of an alcoholic and we'll get to just a minute, the story about the gym. But when I started looking at children of alcoholics, just researching that, First of all, it just saying children of alcoholics. I mean, first that came to my mind was that horror movie, Children of the Corn. You know, I'm just like, <laughs> I, I, just like, are we all just standing in storm, uh, corn stalks ready to like kill people? And then there's like the shortened version version where it's the COAs. And I'm like, well, that sounds like DOA, you know, dead on arrival. So, <laughs> and then really the part that, really I guess bothered me it's like when you say children of alcoholics like it almost gave this feeling to me like I'm attached to the alcohol I'm not attached to the alcohol I mean we were around it and the behaviors but it was I don't to me saying children of alcoholics doesn't sit well with me I feel like there's too much of myself attached to it for whatever reason but so tell the listeners your story this week over who you ran into in the gym and his this person's background story okay so this person's very interesting um I met him at the gym like Christine said and he has no legs he lost his legs from being homeless and had hyperthermia so Mm. they had to cut him off 
um, super cool dude, but he said I was an alcoholic. He was like, yeah, I would drink like a gallon of vodka, whiskey, or whatever it was a day. And I asked him, I was like, well, what made you get sober? And he, he said, well, you would think it'd be my legs, but it mm. wasn't. He was like, I was homeless a year after I lost my legs. And he was like, it wasn't really a specific reason other than I wanted to live. Wow. And it reminded me of dad and the reason why he quit drinking when he did. And mm-hmm. it just, I, it seems so selfish to me mm-hmm. that dad did that when he did. And it was just like, oh, why did you choose now? And why for those reasons? Mm-hmm. And I asked the guy, I was like, well, the reason why, you know, I'm asking you this is because my dad was an alcoholic and he told my sister after drinking our entire entire childhoods, he tells my sister, well, I quit drinking because I want to live, not because of you or anything else. And Mm -hmm. I'm like, wow, that's so selfish. And the guy with no legs, you know, that's what I want to refer to him as the homeless, like he's now the former homeless guy that lost his legs. Um, He said yeah you have to be selfish to be sober like that's the only way you're going to ever be sober and stay that way Mm -hmm. if it's for any other reason like just your children or your friends or family you're never going to do it right I mean because you're you're setting yourself up for failure if you're doing it for some other reason than yourself you know you're setting yourself up for for failure just like people that say oh I stayed married for the kids like that's you're, you're setting yourself up for continued misery and happiness. And then second, your children can see it and feel it. And so you're setting them up to see what relations, what kind of like toxic negative relationships to have. So, you know, you, you, you have to do it for, I completely agree. And, and I guess I didn't even really um, look at it as selfish when, until you told me that's what he said, because, um, I mean, when dad told me that, when he said, you know, he'd been drinking our whole life and he couldn't, he broke his hip and he could not get hip surgery because his platelets were too low because he has cirrhosis of the liver. Um, I remember, you know, and I, at that time was really, I hadn't drank in like a month uh, because I was really like trying to figure out what my connection with alcohol was, you know, even like, I don't drink every night or anything, but I, it just bothered me. Something about it bothered me. So, you know, when things bother me, Jesse, you know how I am, I'm like, examine it to, to death, <laughs> you know, and try and yeah. try, trying to find every meaning to it, every dynamic to it possible, possibly. So anyways, but when he got out, I was, you know, like, oh, you know, you know, how are you doing, you know, now that you're not drinking? He was like, I'm fine. And he, <laughs> he's like, I just like the taste of whiskey. And I was like, what and then of course and me I'm going are there any emotions coming up that are you and he's like yeah I'm fine and who knows if that was true or not and I said well you know I'm not drinking now either and he literally almost cut me off and he goes let me tell you something I'm doing this for me not for you and I was shocked number one and then number two of course my inner child was like oh my god like you're what you're not doing this for me you know and how dare you you know and then you go oh I'm not worthy you know I'm not worthy enough for you to be sober and change your life but 
but I remember driving home and going, I can't believe. And then I was like, and then he was so easy for him. And I said, well, it was so easy for me too. So it was strange. (laughs) It was a weird connection, but it's interesting that dad like said that to me. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? And I, I and it hurt my cool. feelings, even though he didn't say it to me, it hurt my feelings because I was like, did you really torture me? Like my entire fucking life. Right. <laughs> right. Right. I'm just like, Oh my gosh. And it wasn't just torture. It was a special kind of torture. <laughs> yeah. It was li- like, you know, high school was just so strange for me because I myself started to do drugs Mm-hmm. And I enjoyed it, you know, and mm-hmm. you think I would understand why dad liked it so much, but I still didn't understand after I had to get my shit together and go to college mm-hmm. and actually be an adult. I just didn't understand it. And for me, I feel like he should have been stronger, you know, and then I realized from this guy that it's not about strength or weakness. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that was the eye opener I needed. And I think the universe for giving me that because I've been talking to this guy at the gym now for like a year, you know, Mm -hmm. I'd see him in the um, whirlpool in the spa area Mm -hmm. and he'd always make a joke about how it ate ate his legs. (laughs) That's funny. (laughs) Yeah. I was like, bro, don't joke like that. They're going to drain the pool looking for your legs. (laughs) Um, but so anyway, I just, I really enjoy his conversation. So it was really interesting that it happened on that particular day. You know, it was just interesting. Yeah. Um, and that's, I'm really glad that that's like someone that's going to help you heal that piece from your childhood is, is from the addict. And by the way, I hate the word addict, but from someone that has used alcohol and had many things happen in their life you know, a consequence of it. And, um, I, this, I think I'm so glad that you have someone like that because you're, it's also going to help me because, you know, I, um, you know, I don't, I, I really, it's strange out of all the stuff, because that's like, you would think the biggest thing that like, Oh, it was, it's almost like something I've accepted in a weird way. Like it is what it is. And I think that's because he always said that to me, like, you know, coming from a mother who raised me, like, was just always manipulative, and you never, there was no direct or transparency in that relationship, but with dad, I respected the fact that he said, yes, I know this is what I am, you know, A, and then B, I'm not going to change. Right, and he was always very honest. Yeah, and I can (laughs) respect that, like, I respected that, because that was, like, the baseline I had in my foundation was lower. You know what I mean? Like you didn't know what to say, what to do or whatever. So you just be quiet because you don't, you don't know who what's going to set mom, my mom off, you know? Right. But it's just so interesting growing up. And, you know, when I realized it wasn't normal for parents to act like that, I was, you know, it was like when I was living with grandma Lou, really, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? It was one of those things where I was like, Oh, she doesn't drink all the time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we both know Grandma Lou drank, but she right. didn't let me know it. She yeah. hid it from me. Right. And she didn't want me to think it was normal. 
And I find that so interesting. I find that so, because to me, what that screams of is shame. Like, yeah, I think she was ashamed. I think she knew she messed up. <laughs> she, well, she, you and, know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, well, and I mean, too, and then we had our Uncle Robbie who drove off a cliff under suspicious circumstances. You know, they say fell asleep at the wheel, but we all know he probably just like really drove off of it. And that's why I think she had so much devastation with his death because she probably knew on some level that she was the reason he probably drove off a cliff. She was a hard person. She was very emotionally, emotionally abusive. She was very mean. Yeah. And then thinking about, you know, kind of like going back to our last episode, how would she know any better? Because she was born Mm -hmm. in 1927. Like there right. was really a great depression going on and her parents yeah. left her for like right. six to eight months, I think, while they were trying to yeah. find a place in California. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Yeah. I and mean, I remember, like, I, yeah, it's just I remember crazy. asking dad, I remember asking dad about that because when he was like in the hospital, I just, that's kind of when I first started looking more at his alcohol and how I, why I did that was because I went through some of his old fold, photo albums and he's in a diaper and he's, got a glass of champagne in his hand and what I also find interesting about that picture is he's in a diaper and he's drinking champagne and his two brothers are in the photo and his other brother one of his brothers is looking at him drink this champagne the other brother is like looking at something else and I was like that's very interesting because that's when he I mean he really didn't stand a chance because he was I mean, given alcohol when his brain was hardly even developed, you know, right. and then, it's and I know that, yeah, and us. I know, and I know that was common back then, you know, so, I mean, he was born in the fifties. So, I mean, I know that was common, but like, that's what really kind of started me asking questions. And I, it was, I find it so fascinating that as I'm like at thinking and developing questions to ask dad, he's getting, he's sober. And like, it was just such a cool timing of all of that because I was able to ask him questions why he was sober. And I may have probably gotten the same answer if, even if he wasn't sober. Um, but you know, when we're, we're drinking, we kind of like flood our memories, our emotions, and we make them try to make them sound better or whatever it was. But, you know, um, but with him, like, you know, riding like as a kid, you know, he had a truck and riding around with all these beer cans in the back of his, the cab of his, or the back of the truck and the flatbed. And, you know, back then you wouldn't get pulled over for having all those beer cans. I remember my very first car wreck I was ever in, I was with him, he was driving, we were on a highway and it was raining and this lady's coming on the, on the interstate and she hits us and we start spinning and he, she gets out of her car and she starts pulling out all these boxes of beer, beer boxes <laughs> and cans. And you know what he does? You know what he first, well, I will he say starts he taking some. I, no, no, no. He first, he asked me, are you okay? And I said, yes. And we kind of sat there and he watches her and he goes, oh shit, she's got beer on her. The cops are going to be coming. Let me go help her. So he goes to help her try to get rid of the alcohol evidence. Oh yeah. Goes, after she just hit us, it was just like, well, one person rescuing another, I suppose. But, um, so that's started- kind of funny. One time when I got in a car wreck, I gave my weed away. Oh, did and you? And the lady just straight took it. She's like, hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. I was scared. <laughs> yeah. But I was, um, uh, so I started just kind of looking up like how does alcoholism affect children and families? And I don't know if you've ever looked like those things up, but 
there is a thing they this theory they have um i guess you could say in psychology but um the six family ro- roles in addicted families and i found this so fascinating and i actually had learned this in school years ago but i never i never soaked it in i think i was just like i'm going to learn this for a test but i never it never like hit home for me for whatever reason but here are the six roles. Okay. So you have the addict. Okay. Mm-hmm. And everything revolves around the addict trying to keep them happy. You don't want to make them angry or mad. Um, and then, but then the addict continues to create more problems like financial problems, legal problems, marital problems. Um, and definitely is not always emotionally present or physically sometimes. And then, you know, has other issues like gambling um and then there can be you know the violence rate domestic violence rate is is you know pretty high tied with the the addict right then you have another family role called the enabler and the enabler is trying to re- you know reduce the danger and making excuses for the addict which i would say would be grandma lou yep she would all, always bailing him out of stuff she's they're trying to control things hold the family together denying and avoiding problems i remember when i was a kid and dad drove me home back to my mom's and he was drunk and it scared me. And I came home and I was crying and I told my mom and she called grandma Lou and like chewed grandma Lou out. Okay. And then the next time I saw grandma Lou, you know what she did? What? She told me your dad is so condescending. She was like, now your dad wasn't drunk when he left here. I don't know why you would say, I mean, it was so, it was like, there we go again, not validating a child's reality. Right. Right. Like, and I knew she was wrong the way he was acting. He was messed up. Like he, I remember their interaction before we left. He was like drooling out the side of his mouth, you know? (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, uh, you know, so she knew but so she's just doing her thing because she didn't like the fact that she was confronted by my mom you know and then um you have the hero and the hero is usually like the oldest child in the family and they're the overachiever the perfectionist they're extremely responsible they're trying to bring, um, you know, achievement to the family. They're very hardworking. They put a lot of pressures on pressure on themselves. They're very stressed and they're often workaholics. And I, this reading about the hero role just stopped me in my tracks. Not because I feel that was me. I feel like I was actually sort of a, a combo of the last three, but, um, because the word hero, you know, in my childhood, you know, I always was wanting this hero to come rescue me. And when I was reading that, I was like thinking about all my friends that I have. And, you know, most of my friends have parent, one, one or more parent that has drug or alcohol issues and how they're heroes. Like they're the hero roles, like overachievers, workaholics. And I just, what what stopped me about that was because I started thinking about how many heroes in like relationships I've had, like with a boyfriend and how I would just chew them up and spit them out because nothing was ever enough for me. You know what I mean? Like I was always like doing tests on people. Like, does he really care about me? You know, and the test, right. we never knew what the test the, no, listen, nobody won the test, Jesse. Okay. <laughs> nobody, there were no winners in this test, you know, and even if you started passing it, you know, about a year later, I'm bored, you know? So, um, it's just, it stopped me in my tracks. I almost had shame because I was like, 
I have here, I'm surrounded by heroes, number one. And then, I mean, I just know so many heroes and I, we, we look at heroes and we go like police, like there is like one, um, little character, uh, per emoji person or whatever of, of the hero. And they were like literally wearing like a police uniform or military uniform. And I started thinking about all the people that are in the military and police officers and, you know, they're police officers. We view them as heroes. Most of us, I suppose. And then, you know, something happens in the news and they did something that was awful. But I, I wonder if they're here, like, how, like if they did some sort of survey with police officers, like how many of them would say that their mother or father was an alcoholic? I bet the number would be pretty high. Oh, well, I wouldn't doubt it. And also, like, when I did my ride along mm-hmm. um, when I was in college, it was at night and it was a really interesting ride along. But the point of that story is this little kid came out of these ghetto apartments like ghetto mm-hmm. and looked at the cops and said I want to be one of you when I grow up he said I want to be one of you or I don't want to I, I want to be one of you mm-hmm. when I grow up. yeah like I want to be a cop when I grow up kind of thing you know mm-hmm. and it broke my heart almost because I was like gosh like, yeah so he was probably already doing the hero role correct yeah um that's just that's so sad <laughs> you know and yeah I mean it's all sad but I, I think that a lot of us view, like, if whatever your your mind is of, like, what represents a hero, I mean, it's definitely a fantasy, but also, they're not invincible. They're humans, and actually, we're probably need to, like, actually ask them how they're doing more than anybody. You know what I'm saying? Oh, because yeah. On the outside, they go crazy. Yeah, because on the outside, it looks like they've got everything together, but really, on the inside, there's this whole cycle they have of like guilt and shame because it's like never enough because they're trying what they're trying to do is is heal the the hurt and the pain from the alcoholism right Um, and also probably the bad officers at that too especially with uh social media and everybody having a camera you know mm -hmm, see mm -hmm, how a lot lot of cops react to situations versus yeah bad cops do Mm-hmm. you know and so we can commend the good cops when it's appropriate yes. but we focus more on what they do badly because you know that's human nature we're going to always focus on the negative and the bad what other people do especially the ones that are have the title of protecting and serving you know well and it's interesting that you bring that up or kind of off a different topic but what went, goes through my mind is like when something like when you when something a bad officer quote unquote does something and everybody just freaks out and then you know let's say they go to court and everybody in their own mind has what justice is served to them so it's never enough for whatever the the punishment is whether they get punished or not and then everybody freaks out and then they just replay this video all just over and over and the thing is is none of that works right none of that just screaming and all of that none of it none of it works none of it works and so I I've through my journey and shift the past year is like I'm like do the opposite of what your brain tells you how about love them they're hard like they're people don't just become assholes like they don't just there's a reason they became and maybe it's people can be like well if that's not my problem well guess what the problem's going to continue if if we don't stop like 
and change the way we handle whatever our reactions, our emotions. So let's say like the other day I was at Costco yesterday at Costco. I don't know if been there on a Saturday, but it sucks. Yeah. And this guy was behind me and his cart was so close to me. Like he kept hitting mm-hmm. the back of my ankle. Uh-huh. And I pulled my cart over and I like gave him a look like, mm-hmm. okay, game on. You know, uh, I can also play this cart game and hit your ankle a bunch. Mm-hmm. And then I thought about it because he looked at me and he smiled. And then I thought about it and I was like, oh, don't do that, Jesse. He's probably just an angry human that mm-hmm. is just mad at the world. I mean, look right. at Costco. <laughs> right, right, right. Like, it sucks at Costco on Saturday. We're, we're all, you know what, Jesse? We're all one Costco trip away from driving off a cliff under suspicious circumstances. <laughs> and I just was so ready to get out of that store because yeah. I felt like everybody was just being so disrespectful. And a part of me, you know, is just so petty. I'm like, I will i'll blow this costco up <laughs> right 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 and by blow it up you mean go take a big poop in the toilet yes, right yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's just one of those things where i um i understand what you mean like try to do the opposite of what your brain's saying because yes. if you do that then it's no- it's normally love it's normally like acceptance as well right you know because we're all humans but girl is hard yeah and that's why you take a breath because usually like when we're angry we're we're holding our breath we're like we're just like just pissed you know yeah and it sounds like I mean I can just you describing the setting the scene in like 30 seconds like I mean I feel like I'm having tension in my body because I can just feel and see like that energy just building up in Costco just building like everything's almost at a boiling point you know what I mean yeah and, and then they were out of toilet paper girl because you know the paper shortage Oh, there's a paper shortage. Yeah. Yeah. See, I don't, is that on the news or something? Cause I don't, I don't ever look at it. It's on uh, financial news. I only watch finance, finance news. Cause that's the only real thing to me is money. Yeah. Even yeah. though it's fake, it's real. Yeah. Well, I think we have a lot more to say about the rest of the family roles um, in an addict. Um, so I think what we should do is make a part two of this episode and continue on because this is going to help a lot of people that have shame or don't wreck they have unconscious behaviors and things that they're trying to do in relationships where they're trying to unconsciously heal their addict parent um it's quite interesting so to be be continued miss jesse to be continued (laughs) 